Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am so excited that you are here today joining us for another special Friday episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout. Today, we're diving into the incredible journey of Lauren Ashley. We'll explore the power of harnessing multi-passionateness, discover the nuances of late ADHD diagnosis, and uncover the magic of building heart-centered communities. Stay tuned for 30 minutes of heart, insight, and inspiration. Let's get started together, my friends. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us. Each episode, I'll be joined by an inspiring guest as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on a journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. I am thrilled to welcome our exceptional guest today, Lauren Ashley. She's not just a connector, disruptor, and certified professional coach, but a passionate advocate for supporting women in life transitions, leadership, and success. As you know, this week, everything we're talking about is through community, connection. Earlier this week, I had an incredible conversation with Jen Slayton, and today we're diving deeper into community and connection with Lauren, and we're going to be talking about heart-centered community today. Oh my goodness. Welcome to the show, Lauren. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on Hi, Beyond Carol. Autistic Burnout. Thanks, Carol Jean. So excited to be here. Okay, so let's kick this off. Let's ask the big question, because this is sort of where we yeah. usually start the conversation is, how in the world did you come to the awareness that ADHD might be you? Funny that it took 42 years to figure it out. Um, it wasn't until I was in a pediatrician's office with my son getting diagnosed ADHD and her starting to talk about, this is highly genetic and it's likely that you or your husband are both uh, ADHD. And it's, I started to connect the dots at that point. It explained a lot in my career in particular. I always call my career squiggly. It's very squiggly, did not follow a linear path like most people. Um, it was something that made me feel broken a lot of the times. Like there was something wrong with me that I couldn't just pick a path and go down it. That I was always interested by so many different things. Yet at the same time, <laughs> could abandon things so quickly too if I found like, I'm not interested in this anymore. Or I went on this path and I went far enough and now, no, that, that's not it. That's not the calling or that's not what excites me anymore. So it was a hard thing to explain to folks that seem to follow the traditional path. Like, what's that all about? Why, why do you keep changing your mind? Oh my and goodness, I would okay. Joke, follow the passion, follow <laughs> the passion. Right. Okay. You're out there in the studio audience. If you're joining us live today, hey guys. Oh, Jen said squirrel. <laughs> exactly. Squirrel. Yeah, squirrel. 
Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, and Hey, I'm not happy for Friday to you too. We're so glad you guys are here joining us in the chat. So let, let us know in the chat box, is this something that you've experienced? You know, share in the comments, if you're catching this on podcast, did you have this experience as sort of your career trajectory where you were getting lit up? You were passionate about multiple things. It wasn't the traditional route, right? Was that relatable for you? <laughs> and it's got some laughs in the, in the comment section, like, yep, totally relating yep. to this one. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, that I know for me that it made me feel like I couldn't commit. Like I, I was a scatterbrained person, but I honestly genuinely felt passionate about everything that I did. What were the feelings that kind of came up with that for you? I mean, the one I mentioned first was like a level of brokenness that I had to come to terms with. Like this isn't normal. Although what's normal these days, um, feeling like I was always behind or like I should have been somewhere further along. And then like hindsight going like, I, I could have, like, this is a really perfect example. I played piano as a child for 10 years. I was a pretty good pianist. I gave it up to play soccer. I was never going to be a professional athlete. I could have been an amazing pianist, but it's one of those things where it's like, I can abandon things and then have regrets later. Why couldn't I stick the path? Um, and I saw lots of patterns along the way that I didn't realize until my 40s of where I would jump into things wholeheartedly for sometimes a long period of time and then just be like, you know what, this isn't fitting anymore or I want to try something else or something else has catch my attention to Jen's point, like the squirrel mentality. Oh, this is the bright, shiny object over here. And even today, it's a urge I have to fight when I see something that I get excited about. Like, oh, I want to do that too, or I want to do all the things. And I think it's been my journey of figuring out, okay, it's great, love all the things, do all the things, but also have a little bit more focus on the things that you want to achieve right now. So I've really harkened back kind of to some of the things Mel Robbins says about choose, choose the three things. What are the three things you're going all in on right now? And community became one of those things as I started to explore what really was lighting me up um, in the moment, knowing that could change uh, six months, a year, 10 years down the road, but I'm following the passion more and embracing the fact that that's just part of who I am. I, I follow the energy. I love that. And I think that's, that's one of the things that we can, when we're late identified, we bring like so much shame and guilt to the fact that we feel like we failed at adulting or sticking, stick with itness, right? I mean, yep. you pick a thing, you stick to it and all this kind of stuff. And that's just not the natural way that we, for most of us, I mean, some people do, um, but explore and learn and grow. And, you know, yeah, that like the shiny object thing that that's a real experience for us. And I think we've had this lens and this context and this emotion that's tied to that in some way that that's wrong or bad. But when we can start to get in community and we can start to connect with other people that have that experience and we can start to talk about the fact that this is actually one of the amazing strengths that we have in this non-linear thinking, in this way that we experience the world. Look at the way that we solve problems. Look at the way that we process things in a different way. And I think for me, that was sort of a big shift in late identification. What about you, Lauren? 
Yeah. I mean, I think I wasn't seeing a lot of my strengths prior to understanding what was going on, um, how my brain was working. I saw things I felt I was good at. And I did a lot of things in my career that I was good at, but I got it to a point where I felt like my heart wasn't in it or I was just letting time pass and yeah, making a paycheck. And a lot of people probably relate to that. You're like, yeah, it's a job and stability is really important. But I knew there was something more. Um, there was some calling underneath it or something I was supposed to do. And it took me nearly 42 years to figure that out. And it wasn't until I started getting into community and starting relationships with other women that it started to reveal itself. And I think oh, yeah. that's what's fueled everything I'm doing now, um, because I'm relating to so many women that have been on the same squiggly path, <laughs> not knowing uh, what that thing is they've been called to do or call it purpose, which is something I really struggled with for years leading up to all of this. Like, what is my purpose? Um, I started living the mantra, live on purpose, not with purpose. I wanted to just be more intentional. So that's why I say everything has led me just to this point. And yeah, I had to kind of pull back from my squirrelness to really focus and stay committed to what I'm doing. But I believe so much in it that that's been the major lesson. Like keep following the energy, keep following your intuition, be intentional with what you're doing um, and kind of trusting that the rest will, in a sense, work itself out. Oh yeah. And we've got a comment here in the chat that says so many of us can relate so much to this <laughs> in my mid thirties and it's a whole other planet. It really is. And just having community. And I love that we're going to be talking about this too, because, you know, when we have all these multi-passions, instead of just saying, okay, I can really only choose one you found this beautiful way to sort of harness multi-passionateness. And I love the word that you use, multi-passionateness. So what does that mean to you, Lauren, to have multi-passionateness? I mean, I have a, a friend and member of my community that uses the phrase all over the placeness to describe her energy. And when she it. said that, I was like, I wish I could coin that and say that was mine because a lot of people don't understand that about me. They're like, oh my gosh, you're like doing this now and you're doing that. Um, but it was literally following passion and I have a lot of them. Um, a lot of things I consider things I dabble in even where I'm like, oh, something happened personally and now I have an interest in that. Like you can get me talking about health and wellness for hours because I've had my own journey within health and wellness. Um, music. I was like, you could go down a rabbit hole with me around music because it's such a big part of my life. Um, so there was lots of little inflection points, I think, along the way in my life where I was just like, yeah, I'm really into that. Um, and some of those are like, I've probably written in my DNA to a degree. So when I say multi-passionate, it's just that speaks to that squiggliness, that following those energies and being okay with not just being into one thing. Because I feel like all of us can think about people in our lives that feel almost one-dimensional. I hate to say that, like that people are one-dimensional because they're not truly. But there are some people that I feel like have a very narrow lens of the world and the things that they're into and the things that they talk about. 
um, and they're only comfortable in certain lanes. Like, I'm only going to talk about these things that I feel like I'm strong in or I know a lot about. Everything else is kind of whatever. <laughs> for me, you it's know what like, we say oh. in the South for that. <laughs> it's like, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart. I was like, bless um, your heart. To talk to you you just talking about colors. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I can talk to someone about just about anything, I feel like. And that was the gift that revealed itself back in 2020 when I started thinking about all of the things that I'm building now was um, pretty good at starting conversations and like digging in to see what people are about and what their stories are. Uh, what can I do with that? <laughs> and here we are. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a relatable thing that you just shared is think about that for a sec, guys, especially if you're out in live joining us, because we got a pretty good audience here today. If you're here and this is something that you really relate to, it's like, I can't, I, I don't just live in one lane. I can talk about a whole broad range of things. I may not go deep in every one of them, but I can go below the surface on a lot of different topics. And, you know, I think that's just part of that, that passionateness that you talk about, you know, mm -hmm. there's so many things that light us up and, and if it's interesting to us, well, we want to learn more about it. And, you know, I may not do anything with it, but it yep. was interesting. I followed it. And now I've got that sort of in the file cabinet, so to speak. And, you know, somewhere along the way, some random word comes up or somebody says something. I'm like, oh, wait, I remember. Hang on. Let me pull out sort of my thought file yep. files, you know, cabinet here. And, oh, I remember reading this article yeah. about someone. So people are like, how do you remember that? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I remembered reading it. It was interesting. Yeah. But I think that's like one of the things is, when when we go through lead identification, it gives us this opportunity in that sort of identity unveiling that allows us to really get to and appreciate and sometimes allow space for the first time for our amazing natural skills, talents, and abilities to come to the surface. And you discovered one of those, which is you truly are this great connector, this wonderful conversation starter that really leads to beautiful community. And I want to talk about, you use the term heart-centered community. And I absolutely mm -hmm. love that so much, Lauren. Tell me, what does heart-centered community mean to you? How do you define that or describe that as you're creating heart-centered community? I think the simplest way to understand it is that it's relationship-based. So, so much of what I saw in community, even from working in community for another organization was there was a lot of transaction happening in community, meaning like, how do we leverage one another? Uh, how do I sell to you? Because let's be honest, like we live in a very capitalistic world and we're all used to people just sliding into our DMs on LinkedIn, if that's the platform you're on, trying to sell us stuff, not having any sort of relationship with us, no knowledge of who we are or what we even want. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. And I almost kind of take a nod back to like being a child of the 80s and 90s. We like, I feel like I come from a generation that's somewhat unique because we sit in this zone of knowing what times were like before all the crazy technology, before cell phones, before internet, computers, all of it. To like what we have now. So part of me is very old school. And I was like, why can't we get back to like the old school way of connecting? I mean, when we'd pick up the phone, um, we'd make an effort to like talk to people and know people and not just go straight for the 
what can you do for me today? Um, not that that's a bad thing, because I talk about that a lot in heart-centered community too, right? That when you build those relationships with women in particular, because I do deal with women as the space I'm building right now, men could be in the future though, but when we have relationships with one another, when I know you, Carol Jean, I know what your strength is, I know what you do, and I have a relationship with you, what are the chances that I then want to support you in what you do? So much higher. Like, I already know where who I'm sending your way. Like, we have a relationship. So to me, the, the transaction part is secondary to the relationship part. So every woman I attract into my spaces identifies as a relationship first person. They want to know the women in the community genuinely, not just try and leverage them or gain from them. And even beyond that, they're probably some of the most generous women I've ever encountered, meaning like they probably give first versus receiving. And that's something we have to work in in heart-centered spaces is being receivers. Saying, yeah, Ooh, you can help me. Yes. Because <laughs> how, like we've talked about this a little bit, how for so many of us, and this is a, this has been a really big journey for me, and that was allowing myself to receive from others oh. because I could give all day long, but I got yep. so uncomfortable receiving. And it came back to kind of what we were talking about in your fireside chat this morning, which by the way, guys, I would love to invite you to join Lauren mm -hmm. Ashley and her amazing community on LinkedIn in the mornings for 30 minutes on Fridays. And it's her fireside chat. So go check her out, go follow, come mm -hmm. join us because it is Please a join. great conversation. But, you know, we were talking about the worthiness you know, when we were talking about apologizing this morning and that's one of the things like in receiving for so many of us, if we've gone unidentified for so very long, there's this story and this perception that we have of ourselves. And a lot of that comes from a place of not feeling worthy, not feeling like we can take up space, not feeling like it's okay for me to receive. And that was just such a huge part of my journey. And I I honestly don't think I would have gotten to the place that I am now where I'm like, heck yes, I am open to receive because that's part of reciprocity. That's an imbalance when I'm only giving and not receiving. And especially when we're talking about burnout, I'm pouring out, but I'm not allowing people to pour into yep. me. And community is such a place of pouring into one another and yep. really energizing and supporting. So what are some of the things that, you've noticed as you started building heart-centered community, you know, you're just like, people are showing up, we're, we're mm -hmm. giving, but we're also learning to receive. How is, how have you seen people sort of take that journey with you so far in that receivership? I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's still a struggle for so many of the women in my community, um, especially during times of struggle, right? People are going through a lot right now. The world is crazy. Um, there's a lot of people going through job loss or big shifts in relationships. And I've been through all of those things. Um, that's part of what kind of inspired me to start the conversations I was, was I was going through so much in 2020 <laughs> at the height of the pandemic that that made me want to hear the stories of other women. What is going on for you? What are you learning about yourself? So I just started asking some really big questions. 
thought-provoking questions just to start these conversations. And these are conversations we still have to have today because there's still a lot of stigma around the struggles we're having and there's shame. Um, and those things don't just go away. We don't just like wake up one morning and be like, I'm no longer ashamed for being out of work or going through a divorce. There are things that we heal through in community. And I'm seeing that happen because people are now feeling like they can drop the armor when they're around the right women and like hearing other women's stories of the same struggle or similar struggle makes it more okay for us to show our true selves. So that was really my theory I was working with as I talked to like thousands of women between now and 2020 was let's normalize these things that are going on. We're not alone. You don't need to suffer in silence as much as that's still a knee-jerk reaction. Um, I see it every day. Um, and I'll have private conversations with women about the things they're struggling with, but they don't feel comfortable necessarily coming to a group about. But I will always be the advocate for if you show up powerfully and tell your story with these women that I have vetted to be here, you're going to be pretty surprised the response you get. There's not going to be shaming that happens here. There's going to be like, how do we? support you, but you have to be ready to receive, right? And I think that's the hardest part is why we don't, we don't come up because, or we don't not come up and share our stories because we're afraid of giving <laughs> or afraid of what we'll receive, that we will get that support and we're not used to it. And I'm trying to flip the script on that in a way where it's like, let's be okay with receiving and let people do it for us. Because to your point, Carol Jean, you know, We've probably suffered in silence long enough um, and not allowed ourselves to receive nearly the support that the right community will give us. Oh my gosh, yes. And you know, there's this, there's this one experience that I've had myself, and I hear it from so many people in my community. And it doesn't really matter the gender. I mean, in my, you know. In mind your autistic brain, we got a little bit of everybody. We got non-binary, transgender. We got everybody. And so I really look at this as more like this has been a, like a neurotype experience more than a gender experience on my end of community. And it has been, I don't ask for help because not only have I been in a place where I don't necessarily feel comfortable or worthy to receive, but the other side is, when I've worked myself up to be brave enough to ask for help and I've reached out, I then am let down because when I reach out and somebody says, oh, sure, I'll help you. Or what do you need? And you tell them and you finally have worked up the courage or you've allowed yourself to be vulnerable. And then the other person doesn't follow through. Mm. And I think when we're talking about heart centered community, I always talk about it's not the questions you ask, it's the quality of the questions we ask, but it's also the quality of the people we get in relationship and community with. Correct. And that's why that heart-centered community and while why it's so important when we're curating community of support that we know as we're building, like trust is such a huge element. So can you talk about the element of trust in heart-centered community as, as part of that catalyst for growth? Yeah, I mean, I like to think that we give most people the benefit of the doubt uh, in general, 
but it's hard. We've all been burned. We're all jaded in some sense when it comes to relationships. Um, and even as women, because like I said, I'm, I build community for women right now. Um, women have been burned by other women. We've had bad experiences um, where we've felt like we haven't had trust in those relationships or that we've really had to work hard to earn it. But again, like to your point, going back to the vetting and how we bring people together, when you find the right people, when you get the right people in a space, it's amazing how quickly trust is established. Um, there's not a whole lot of effort that even feels like it, you need to put into it because trustworthiness is kind of built into sort of the fabric of the community. They're here because they're trustworthy, because they want to build relationships. Um, they're not here to leverage you, take advantage of you in some way. Um, and that's kind of where, again, I'm using a little bit of my gift in getting to know people and ask questions to determine, like, is this the right space for you? Is this going to be your catalyst for growth? Because that is the goal. You come to this space to learn and grow together. Um, because that was something that I kept hearing over and over from women that they were craving, at least the women that I was attracting. Um, that resonated with my story or felt like kindred spirits. I use that a lot. Kindred spirits, soul sisters, people that identify as heart-centered. So we we talk a lot about that and how, yes, you have to trust that you're in a safe space. And safety is another thing, like in a whole other conversation, because that was a huge Thing that I tried to research and explore with people as I was building the community. How do we create safety for people so they do feel like they can trust the other members? And can I, can we promise safety? Probably not. And I will tell every woman that comes into my spaces, you know, it's really important for me to uphold the integrity of this space. It's a sacred space. There are values that we agree to when we come in, but I'm not a part of every conversation. I won't know everything that goes on, everything that is said. I also don't know everyone's lived experience like to a T, right? So I don't know what triggers there may lie under the surface. But what I can say is I create spaces for us to be able to share these things openly. So if there is a problem and something needs to be addressed, we're not just going to like let it sit dormant. Because I've seen that in communities where it will literally degrade the integrity if you let oh, yeah, bad behavior continue. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of, I feel like in these types of spaces with the kinds of women that I am in community with, it's probably a rare occurrence. And a lot of it's just us not understanding what's, like I said, beneath the surface for a lot of us, what will trigger us or bring something up um, because, you know, a lot of us are probably healing in some capacity and there's still stuff there, but being able to have spaces where you can basically say, Hey, I politely agree to disagree kind of thing. And I've already seen these conversations happen in my spaces where it's like, eh, actually, Oh, definitely. We had one this morning and it was so good. <laughs> oh, and I love those. Cause I say, I want to create spaces where you feel like if you do think differently, you feel comfortable saying so and you don't feel like you're going to be shamed or judged for it. 
Because again, that's the beauty of community is diversity of perspective and lived oh, experience. Absolutely. It is. So, one of my new connections, Jaskin Moore Singh. Hey, so he is um, getting a degree in Masters of Public Health and focuses in behavior. And I love the comment that he shared. To give is to receive both, keep you grounded and give you a sense of fulfillment and purposefulness. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like that mm -hmm. groundedness, that that's such a good way to sort of articulate that. Because I, you know, what about you, Lauren? So, you know, giving and receiving, I never thought about it in the sense of like the grounding that happens within my own body in that experience. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I would like to say that I'm much more embodied now than I have been in the past. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Done, I've, Me too. Some, I, I've been very disconnected from my body uh, for many years and like, that's a trauma response for sure. Um, but I have some people in my community that that's part of what they do for a living. And this, I help people get more embodied. And I always love listening to them and their perspective around slowing down, feeling into your body so you can be more present in the moment and acknowledging more what you need too, right? Because when we're not connected, we're not embodied, we're basically dysregulated. So how do we even know what we want or need from that space? So a lot of it is like we're doing collective healing together. And that's pretty powerful. That absolutely is very powerful. And it's one of the things, it's why I wanted to talk about community and talk about different elements and aspects of community this week as, as part of our Beyond Autistic Burnout series this week, because where that, that quantum leap growth, where that embodiment, where that connection to yourself in the, in the space that you find for that catalyst for growth really happens not in our head, but in community and connection with others. And Lauren has built this incredible heart-centered community that is a catalyst for growth. And if what we've talked about and what Lauren has shared today is really resonating with you, and if you are like, oh, that's the kind of community that I need, Lauren, can you share with people how they can get in touch with you, where they can go to start the process to get involved and connected to your incredible community? Yeah, I mean, obviously to connect with me, LinkedIn is always a great place. It's where I'm most active. You won't really find me active on other socials. I'm there, but mm, not having these kinds of conversations. So if you want to start a conversation, it's a great place to find me. Otherwise, my website, wearecatalyst.com is a great place to learn more about the community, what we're about, what we value. That's something I ask every potential member and member to agree. Like that's that's a first first line list of values. Do you agree? And then we have a conversation. Every person who comes into my community, I have had one-on-one -on -one time with. Um, that is a big part of what I'm trying to build is a space where we know each other intimately and I know the members. So I know how to connect them best. Um, I can't do what I do without knowing each person on a personal level. So that's really the process. There's a form. If you're interested in being a member and starting a conversation, it's really simple. Fill out the form. We have a conversation. And if it feels aligned, I'll always talk about alignment. Um, 
we'll, we'll go a step further. I love it. So if you are interested, take a look down in the show notes. I have the link there where you can connect with Lauren Ashley and you can start the process to join wearecatalyst.com is there in the show note links. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for showing up and sharing conversation around late identified ADHD, <laughs> our incredible multi-passionateness that so many of us can relate to and the importance oh. of the catalyst that is the growth for heart-centered community for so many mm. of us. Thank you. Is there anything you'd like to share with everybody before we go today or a thought or an idea? Oh, and I know what I want to ask. What is your favorite song on replay right now? My favorite song on replay right now? Oh, I mean, I, I talked about music is one of my favorite things. I was at a Hozier concert last week, so I've pretty much had the set list from that show on repeat since. He's a phenomenal artist. Uh, so many things that I appreciate about him as an artist and what he stands for. But I can't just pick one song. It's the whole set list. That's okay. We The whole set list, guys. <laughs> go check it out. It's one of our favorite things to talk about because music truly yeah. is the beat and the rhythm of our life. It helps us express what we might be feeling but haven't found the words to articulate yet. And there's so many yep. wonderful things around the power of music. So thank you for sharing that with us, Lauren. Yep. Guys, go check out wearecatalyst.com. Go connect with Lauren. You won't... You will not regret it. And I promise you next Friday, be sure you come join us and check us out over there in Lauren's group in the fireside chat. It is always popping. It's always a great conversation. It's mm. 30 minutes in and out, kind of like today. Thanks for joining yep. us. Thanks for being here. And as always, guys, thank you so much for joining us today on the Beyond Autistic Burnout. I hope you feel energized and empowered to take on the challenges ahead. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Let's stay connected. Be part of the community. Follow me on social media, join our thriving community, and subscribe to the podcast for more transformative episodes. Together, we'll continue to break free from burnout and unlock our authentic selves. Until next time, this is Carol Jean Whittington signing off with my guest, Lauren Ashley. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you Thanks, on Carol Jean. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.